0: Hey, besties! Welcome back to the Sweet and Sarcastic Podcast. Today's episode title, Turn On Your Listening Ears, makes
1: me giggle because it's something we say to kids all the time. I mean, it's easy for kids to misunderstand what we mean by that. And I feel like because we aren't properly, like, retaught what it actually means to shut up and listen, basically, for lack of better words, like, we as adults have a hard time putting listening. Into action. So let's get into it.
0: Communication is more than just talking. In order to truly communicate with another person, you also have to listen and try to understand their point of view. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that kind of really goes along with this is Don't listen to respond, listen to understand. So what do you think listening to understand versus just responding
1: looks like? I don't know. I guess what I do to listen better, which I guess by listening better, it helps me understand how to respond better. I feel like Um, how I figured that out is just like, I know not everybody's into yoga but in yoga, when they tell you to breathe and like, so you're laying on the mat, right? And you're, they tell you to breathe and pay attention to your body and where it falls and let all of your, like your entire body relax itself and untense, unclench. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that's how you learn how to, I guess, listen better with your body instead of just tuning it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And just like responding. I, I like, I feel like it really opens up your ears and allows you to digest what is being said to you. Because a lot of the time we're so focused on the voice in our own head and planning our response that we can't even hear like what's being said. Mm-hmm. You know what I, mean? I feel like being connected to Finding ways to connect to yourself, your body, allows you to be more open with other people.
0: Yeah. Another thing, too, is, like, people are scared to take time to actually think before they speak and form their response. You know, society has become... Obsessed with this idea of being efficient and getting things done as fast as possible. But you know doing something quickly isn't actually being efficient. right. Uh, the other key part to efficiency is that it also has to be done well. Um, Correct. We did a yeah, we we did a quick Google search of the definition of efficiency. And it said, efficiency is the often measurable ability to avoid making mistakes or wasting materials, energy, efforts, money, and time while performing a task. In a more general sense, it is the ability to do things well, successfully, and without waste. And I think, like you said, you know, take really taking your time and, you know, taking a breath before you speak
1: yeah I know that that was kind of a big issue when we first started the podcast we had debated on doing like a video version so that we could see each other's like physical cues to know that when we were done like speaking Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we would like talk over each other and that was something that we had to kind of figure out As we decided not to do the visual part. Yeah. So, and a key part of communication too, is paying attention to our body cues, which was something that we couldn't do because we didn't have the visual cues anymore. Right. And being aware of your surroundings and both your own and that of your person you're communicating with, this applies to every environment you're in, you know, home life, work life any setting that pertains to you. For example, let's say that you're trying to communicate a boundary or communicate how you you're feeling to someone because it's important to you and it should be advocating for yourself should be important to you. That's something Mm -hmm. that I feel like a lot of people are afraid to do is advocate for themselves and stand up for themselves because we were taught not to that it was impolite. Oh, Absolutely. Like, oh my god, that gets mm-hmm. me so, so much. Little
0: Yeah, yeah, me too, me too.
1: Being taught manners was used as a form of manipulation, I feel like. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but you can have good manners
1: and still have boundaries.
0: You can like you, it's it's all in how you say it not rude stand up for what you need it's rude if you're rude about it yes but if you can communicate that respectfully then you're not
1: lacking good manners right right I just mean I don't know I feel like for example like when someone wants to hug your kid and the kid says no But then the parent says, oh, that's not polite. You should hug them like that. No, 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 Mm -hmm. no, I agree. Not polite to ignore the child's boundaries. Well, think about it this
0: way. You want to talk about manners and we're getting a little off topic here, but that's fine. Um, you want to talk about manners if you walked up to a random adult and gave them a hug and they didn't want a hug wouldn't you be the one that had poor manners not the adult refusing the hug
1: that's when lawsuits happen
0: exactly (laughs) so why are we telling small children like oh that's your great aunt so-and-so just go give her a hug like no that's what it was fly with an adult if the answer is no then it shouldn't fly with a
1: child either exactly we're not we why are we teaching kids different things that we teach adults? Like why is why are they different?
0: Also, here's another thing too. Why are we holding children to a higher standard? That's what I'm saying. Why we are we holding adult?
1: Why are we treating them differently?
0: Like, absolutely.
1: Why absolutely. are we I mean, yes, they're more fragile, but they're also kind of the same. Learning. Well, they're also teach them. Well, they're also kind of the same. Like they're just as resilient as an adult as a child they're literally Literally. just
0: tiny humans yeah that's all it is
1: we're all humans they're just smaller they're literally just tiny people like I don't understand why we're not giving them the same respect we would give an adult I mean there are certain things where you know uh, there are certain things that are not appropriate for children like adult conversation when you talk about things that are maybe not age appropriate, like as long as you stay within those parameters of age appropriate things, I feel like it's kind of okay, but like, absolutely. Kids understand more than we give them credit for a thousand percent, a thousand percent. And they are the most brutally honest people. So for example, (laughs) like you come up to the kid, you're like, Oh, can I have a hug? They will tell you no. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's your job. Like you, you, Model for them how to react to a boundary. How you choose to respond to them setting a boundary shows them how they should respond to other people setting boundaries with them.
1: A thousand percent. And a little part before that that I didn't mention, notice how I said when you ask the child for a hug. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't actually know if that's what I said, but that's what I meant to say. When you ask Mm -hmm. the child for the hug. Right. And they respond with no. Like you need to ask. You need to make sure you're asking.
0: Mm -hmm. Even if, I mean, even it goes back to what you were saying about body cues too. Even if you don't ask for a hug, because it is human nature. When you see someone you love, you instantly just want to go for a hug. But if they flinch or if they pull away, that is a clear body cue. That tells you, oh, hey, they don't want to be hugged right now. Right. You don't always have to say something. Like, you know, that, I mean, that's what you were, that's what you were talking about just now is paying attention to body cues.
1: Right. Right. And like, let's say that you're trying to communicate a boundary, you, like you're the person who's saying no, and mm-hmm. you're trying to communicate how you're feeling because it's important to you, because it should be, like, and they are not receiving it well in that situation. It then falls to you. Now, this is in an, an adult situation. It falls mm-hmm. to you to then separate yourself or get yourself out of that situation in whatever way you can. Like, maybe
0: mm-hmm.
1: try again another time approaching that boundary unless you feel like it's, like, time to just, like, cut that person out of your life. Um. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you do plan on doing that, I'm 100% behind you, bestie, and do what's best for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you do. We'll get into that a little bit later. Just please be paying attention to how they are responding to you. Like, even in a conversation, if you are noticing that they are just like responding and not really listening to you, speak up say something about it be like hey did you even hear what I just said right because it sounded like you were just really excited and I get that you were so excited like make sure you understand like you make sure that they understand that you understand how excited Mm -hmm. they are and you're not diminishing how excited they are Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something you and I have run into a lot oh (laughs) yeah yeah. oh yeah oh yeah and what makes it harder is that like you and I don't live near each other. So the only form of physical cues for us is over FaceTime. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times we're, we are relying off of like tone.
0: Yep. And facial expression. But uh fun fact though, when we record these episodes, we can't see each other. We have no visual. It's just the audio. So we purely have to kind of guess. just based on the tone in each other's voice.
1: Yeah. I think I said this in a previous episode is that like, I think that a good thing about you and I not living near each other is that we have the opportunity to like actually take that step back and to like really think about how we want to communicate. So we want to make sure that the tone is not in a negative way. Like, It's not a negative tone in any way. Mm
0: -hmm. There have been times too, where even through text, I've noticed where one of us will say something and then the immediate next message is, ooh, that came out harsher than I meant. I'm sorry.
1: Well, there are also other things going on. Like Mm -hmm. you and I have a very different relationship where you and I can be very brutally honest. Like (laughs) it can come out however way it comes out, but we know it comes out with love exactly
0: (laughs) Um, but we've we've built that though like it wasn't always that way right we've reached a place where we can do that now but I would not suggest doing that with someone you're like having a conversation with for the first
1: time no no (laughs) we are experienced long distance friendship keepers I don't know. I don't
0: know what you call it. <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Long distance friendship keepers. I love it.
1: <laughs> like we it just we took the time to build the trust, to build the foundation, to build the rapport. We built it ourselves. I made it myself. Like this, yeah, this is something that we have built up to that we are comfortable enough talking to each other that way but it's mm-hmm. not like we're being rude to each other on a daily basis we're not right it's just sometimes things come out a little harsher but we don't we've learned how mm-hmm. to compartmentalize and not take offense by it because it's meant with love Yes, absolutely <laughs> and that's kind of how we hope that you guys take all of this because we are trying to build that rapport with you we're trying to build that relationship with you guys In a Mm -hmm. long-distance manner, because that's kind of what this is, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, You guys are our online besties, and so we hope, you know, if there's ever something we say that, like, strikes a chord with you, please don't hesitate to reach out and say something, because that's the whole idea behind this, is to start a conversation about these topics.
1: Yeah. And if you ever, like, want to talk about any of these, like, topics with us, please, like, reach out to us and be like, Hey, I really liked what you said, or, Hey, I wasn't crazy about what you said. Can we talk about it? Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. There is a thousand percent a healthy way to communicate. And I find the best way to stray from miscommunications by asking questions. So please, if you have any questions, ask us. Mm
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's, you know, let's say you find yourself in a situation where you've tried several times to communicate your needs to someone, but they still have a poor reaction every time. At that point, you really need to stop and ask yourself if this person's lack of healthy communication skills is something you can continue to tolerate or, I mean, even enable that behavior at that point. Break up with him.
1: Break up with him. (laughs)
0: He is I mean, seriously though, him. <laughs> seriously <laughs> though, the real truth is if you're telling someone over and over and over again, what the best way for them to communicate with you is, and they are continually showing no interest or effort in changing. I mean, like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So at that point, you might need to just reevaluate that person's position in your life. You know, I I mean, that's that's not to say that every person who initially has a poor reaction needs to be booted out of your life. But, you know, like if you're approaching someone with a situation where maybe they're going to feel kind of like the villain in your story, for lack of a better term, Uh, you need to allow room for them to react to whatever feelings that might stir up for them. I'm the villain, you know, because
1: own story. (laughs)
0: uh, I mean, odds are like they didn't they didn't mean to hurt you. So to hear you say about you know something that they did or that they said may have, you know, negatively impacted you, um it's probably gonna make them upset because you know you can talk to someone every day and still have bad communication. But the difference is in what they do with that information after they've had a minute to process what you said and how they wanna proceed going forward. If the person gets angry and tries to turn it around so that now you're the problem that's a red flag. But if they can calm down and then ask what steps they need to take in order to avoid something like this happening in the future, it shows that they're taking accountability for their actions and that they're willing to resolve the issue.
1: You know, the phrase actions speaks louder than words comes to mind. Because simply asking what the steps are is not the same as actually following through with them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like I said, ask questions, but you can't just ask them and not follow through. Right. Like another key part of communication is paying attention to body cues and being aware of your surroundings. We talked about our body cues. We talked about how. You need to like pay attention to them yourself, your body cues, and every like the person you're communicating with is body cues, like mm-hmm. everyone's. For example, we're going to talk about my experience with domestic violence. So, trigger warning for what comes next. Clear warning. I'm not going to go into detail about exactly what happened. I might go into that in another episode where we just talk about that and my experience with it um Mm -hmm. if that's something you guys wanted to hear about um let us know um but I'm just gonna go over some of his behavior Mm -hmm. that should have alarmed me but didn't at first like there are things that I should have paid attention to like not being allowed to go anywhere with anyone without him Or I wasn't allowed to have any friends outside of him. Mm -hmm. Like at the time we lived with a friend and it was a male friend and like he and I got along very well. Um, He was the one who ended up saving my life in the end. Mm -hmm. But he, like the guy that I was with was not okay with that friendship. Like, we would just be sitting on the couch watching a movie, and he would think that we were, like, leaving him out on purpose, and that we were hiding things from him. Like, literally sitting in the open living room, in the open house, in clear view, it was just, like, things that he would, like, make into such bigger issues than they were. I should have paid attention to the mood swings and the love bombing because he would make up these like random stories. Like he would go off and have a tantrum where I remember one of my friends from Pennsylvania had come to visit me. I was living in Oklahoma with him at the time and one of my friends had come to Oklahoma to visit me for Thanksgiving and he threw a tantrum and got drunk the entire time. Because my attention was not solely on him. The entire, like, he was so excited up until she got there. And then, because my attention was not on him, he completely turned into an entirely different person. Like, it was, and then he would go around, as soon as she left, like, he would tell me stories, like, how he was gonna, he was watching me sleep, and how much he loved me, and Like he was being all sweet and everything. And then it was just like subtle manipulation that convinced me that everything was normal, but in all seriousness, it should have only taken just one of those things. And I should have just trusted my gut earlier on. Like I confronted him eventually about the way he was treating me and his words were, why don't you look in the mirror? Which I was very confused Because that like came out of nowhere because we weren't talking about me. Mm -hmm. We were talking about, I was like, what is happening? Like I was like, one minute you're sweet and normal. And the next you're like completely isolated and moody and mean. But then said, why don't I look in the mirror? I was like, really, really confused. I was like, what is, what? What? I was like, how is this my fault?
0: It's gaslighting at its finest.
1: It it was, he was deflecting. He was gaslighting me. Like, ladies, besties of all kinds, I say this with the utmost sincerity. Do not, and I repeat, do not ignore the little things. I don't care how small it is. Keep a tally. Once he hits three, goodbye. I don't care. You shouldn't
0: even have to hit three.
1: Uh, Right. You shouldn't even have to hit three. But, like, I understand there are, like, certain things where, you know, people make mistakes where they forget something or they, you Mm -hmm. know, they get mad and they, like, kind of snap for a second. I get that. But there's a difference between I'm sorry I yelled or I'm sorry I raised my voice one time.
0: And it's not to say that, you know, you won't find yourselves in arguments where you do get heated and you yell at each other. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we talked before how, you know, my husband and I had a dark spot. The difference though, is that he actually, when he said, sorry, he meant it. And he showed me he meant it.
1: Exactly. This is what I'm talking about with follow through. Like,
0: Mm -hmm. like
1: I said, I don't care how small it is. You keep a little tally mark, whatever you're comfortable with. If it hits two or if it hits three, three strikes, you're out. You're done. You're not good for me. And I'm not saying he's not good for me as in like, oh, it's kind of like ice cream. Ha, ha But I'm going to eat it anyways because I'm lactose intolerant, but I don't care. No. <laughs> Put it down. I love that example. Put it down. It's only mm-hmm. going to make you constipated and fat. <laughs> it's going to make you depressed. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Put it down. You don't need it. All of those little things that were definitely more than three tallies, all those little things that I should have paid more attention to led to bigger problems, which led to me being in a hospital bed with an mm-hmm. arm too swollen to get a, a clear x-ray of for a week. I walked in there and... They said my arm was too swollen for them to get a clear picture. Now, at the time, my ribs were sore because of what had actually happened, like how I was hurt. But I didn't really think anything of it. I just knew my body was sore. So they just checked my arm. They're like, it's too swollen. Come back in a week. Well, I was going to be <clears throat> in Pennsylvania in a week. So I got back to Pennsylvania, didn't have anything on my arm other than like an ace bandage and i got the first appointment i could and i walked in there and they didn't even x-ray it yet and they were like oh yeah that's broken like they didn't even have like they did x-ray it and they could see that it was broken but they were like we didn't even have to like that's broken so they they bandaged that up they gave me a brace and everything and they sent me to an orthopedic doctor and the orthopedic doctor they were getting me all suited up and everything for a cast getting me ready for a cast and they were doing some more x-rays and they were like they're like does it hurt to sneeze or cough and I was like yeah kind of why and they were like uh, we're going to x-ray your 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 chest like your ribs too and I'm like oh okay I didn't really think anything of it and they're like, yeah, your eighth and ninth rib are cracked as well. Oh, so for the last two weeks, I'm just walking around here with some broken ribs <laughs> and a broken arm. Ignoring those little things got me a broken arm and broken ribs. Moral of the story. Mm-hmm. Do not ignore the little things. Do you think he's different? So did I you think, oh, this could never happen to me, so did I. Like, some people ask me if I felt bad for him at all, I guess, because, you know, they they would ask me about his upbringing, and, you know, I would wonder about that, because he really didn't have the greatest upbringing. You know, his, his whole family is basically a family of addicts, whether it's alcohol or drugs, they're heavily spiraled I'll put it that way. I guess at one point I did feel bad for him but I think that only made his manipulation that much stronger but I do wonder like if that was like the sole reason for his behavior or if it's just his if that's like in their genes or if it's his personality like I remember when we were kids, little kids like under 10 because he and I grew up together where we would be at the public pool and I remember he would chase me around the pool and push me in and the lifeguards would yell at him and my mom I guess I kind of like blocked this memory out but as an adult I like was having a conversation with my mom when he and I had started dating and my mom was so confused she's like why like he tortured you you would come up to me crying like why would you and I didn't really remember that like I didn't really understand what she was talking about until the memories eventually came back to me I was like oh oh like we were kids I guess Mm -hmm. I, I just kind of thought that that was you know that's what they say right like when a boy's teasing you, it means he likes you, right? Like,
0: yeah, you, I mean, you probably shrugged it off because society does say that, you know, they tell little boys that, you know, teasing a little girl is a sign that they like her. But, you know, in reality, that's not what affection actually looks like. You know, like, yeah, healthy relationships do tend to involve some kind of light, like, comedic teasing of each other. But, you know, the difference is a healthy partner is able to recognize and respect when their partner has reached their limits. You know, like, for example, you know, in my marriage, Trey and I can, we can tease each other about all sorts of things, you know, that's the
1: best but
0: friend. <laughs> <laughs> there have, there have been days, you know, where our ribs are hurt and like we're just, you know, we're teasing each other so much, but on rare occasions, we do sometimes go too far and it strikes a nerve. Yeah. And, you know, what makes it a healthy relationship and not, you know, this toxic, like, you can tell me if he did this to you or not, but I imagine you had scenarios go like this Oh, come on, take a joke. Like, you know, I didn't mean it like yeah. that. Like, oh, you know, that kind of like trying to backpedal and be like, Oh, come on, you know, I was joking. Like, it's not that serious. That yeah. kind of, but like, you for, know,
1: and, invalidation. Right. But for anyone who knows me, knows that I uh, absolutely can take a joke. Are you kidding me? I love jokes. But like, mm-hmm. the difference is you're not funny.
0: Yeah. Right. And, you know, back, back to what I was saying, like, if something happens and, say, Trey says something that, like, hits me a little too hard, he's like, ooh, okay, that that was too much. I'm sorry. And that's the difference. You know, he doesn't get – there was a time when he got a little butthurt about it, but we've, we've done the work. And it, it goes back, to to what you were saying before about, you know, actions speak louder than words.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: in this case, his action, you know, was, like, at first, he was all like, oh, come on. Like, you know, I didn't mean it that way. But then when he, like you said, you know, took a step back and took a breath and really looked at how I was reacting to what he said, he calmed himself down and was like, hey, look, I'm sorry. You know I love you. I did not mean to hurt your feelings. You know, I shouldn't have gone. I shouldn't have gone that far.
1: And that's, that's the Different. the difference is the sincerity and the genuine Mm -hmm.
0: right you know know, and clearly the guy that you were with didn't wasn't doing that you know even even as kids he wasn't you know respecting your limits no he blamed me for
1: he blamed me for absolutely anything and everything he could think of Mm-hmm. Anything he,
0: he wasn't taking accountability. No,
1: absolutely never. Like, when, mm-hmm. when this had all happened, he told everybody that it was my fault and that I did it to myself.
0: Oh, yeah, because you broke your own rib and arm. Mm-hmm. He, absolutely.
1: He also, mind you, this guy was, like, six foot and I am five foot. Like, there's... I'm sure if someone was angry enough, but like in this situation, I was terrified. I was trying to escape. I was trying to get help and Mm -hmm. our roommate was on the other end of the house. So I was trying to escape from him and he told everyone that I pushed him, that I hurt him, that I did this to myself. And He was, he was blaming me for all of these things. And it it took him, it took him up until maybe six months before he passed away to admit that he never should have put his hands on me. Mm -hmm. Up until that point, it had been like four different versions of what had actually happened. And none of it Mm -hmm. was the truth except for what I had said. Right, my story never changed. His changed every time he told it, mm-hmm. and every single time, the only thing that stayed consistent was that it was my fault. That he was not at fault.
0: Yeah, going back to something you said a little earlier, you said that you were. You often wondered about his his upbringing and whether or not, you know that that played a part. In his actions, yeah. Um, and here's here's my take. You know, do the circumstances that you grew up in mold how you behave as an adult? Absolutely, they they do. There is no denying that. You know, it is scientific fact that the bulk of your personality and who you are is formed in. You know the years of early childhood development. Mm -hmm. But the difference is, you know, what you choose to do with the circumstances you were faced with is entirely up. You had, uh, you had mentioned that his, his family is full of addicts, you know, so that, that says that likely he had a difficult childhood. And honestly, he very well, might have been abused himself. You know that's that's another statistic. You know, I can't think of a single case where an abusive partner was not also abused themselves at some point as a child. Um, there, like there's there's no denying that. But does that excuse him repeating that pattern? No, absolutely no.
1: not.
0: No, because you know. When he was a kid, there wouldn't have been anything he could really have done about it. You know, especially if, you know, it's not to say, I don't, I don't wanna make assumptions that like it was his parents. It could have been literally anyone in his life. You know, I don't, I don't wanna assume that. But, you know, as kids, we look at adults in general as, you know, they're supposed to be someone you can go to to protect you or to help you and to guide you through life. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be a parent. But, you know, by the time you yourself become the adult, you're faced with two choices. You can either repeat the same dysfunctional patterns that you witnessed as a child, or you can choose to decide that that's not the life you want to live. That's not how you want to do things. And you can do everything in your power to be better than the generation before you. Now, obviously, we know which choice he made. You know, so to answer the question, does his upbringing excuse his behavior? No, it doesn't. It makes that path, a more likely outcome absolutely but at the end of the day it was still a choice that he made for himself you know it goes back to that whole thing about like him refusing to take accountability like he didn't want to face the fact that it was a choice and he chose wrong
1: well i didn't want to own up to it and see here's the thing i was adopted I don't know my genetics, Mm -hmm. but my adopted father was an alcoholic. So is it really nature versus nurture? Because I'm not an addict. Right. But also I don't know my genes. The uh, addict gene could very well be in my genes. Mm -hmm. So like I didn't just
0: haven't been in a, situation where it's pushed you that direction, right? I mean, I myself even am an example of choosing to break the cycle. Um, my, my parents weren't, weren't the ones, but you know, there are people in my family, there is a history of addiction, some drugs, some alcohol, um, It is something that in my family history, there is a string of issues that we've had, you know, and among, among other things too, it's not just addiction. Sometimes it's poor communication and toxicity and hostility. There are a lot of things that I witnessed in my childhood and even early adulthood, you know, that, that were, they were difficult situations and they very well could have, I could have walked away And being, you know, like, oh, well, oh, well, this is my lot in life, you know, then there's nothing I can do about it. Like, I could have adopted that victim mindset and just fallen into repeating that cycle.
1: I think it's a choice that we make early on Mm -hmm. in childhood. When, like, when we're going through, like, I'm sure that when he was very young, at some point he had made the decision that he did not want to change that he was too I'm sure he was too exhausted to change I'm sure he was whatever I'm not making excuses for him by any means believe me but Mm -hmm. I was watching Grey's Anatomy the other day and I there was a scene where um it was the scene where Meredith is on the beach with Derek and He says he never realized how truly exhausting it was to, like, cling on to life. But putting that into the situation, like, in the sense of fighting your demons. Mm -hmm. And his family was his demons.
0: Yeah. Makes me think of, um, there's a saying, being in a dysfunctional situation is hard and breaking the the cycle is hard. Choose your hard. And, you know, for me, at least, I chose to break it, because it, it is hard, you know. And it was multiplied when, even even before I was pregnant with my first child, like when my husband and I were talking about getting married, and then, you know, when you're a newlywed, of course, the very next thing you start thinking of is like starting a family. If that's, you know, something that you guys want to do, you know, when, when you first get married, you, you have all of these hopes and dreams of what your life is going to look look like. And for us, that included having kids. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So even before I was pregnant granted it happened very fast anyway, but (laughs) I decided, I decided very early on that, you know, The things that I saw as a child or not even all of it, I witnessed firsthand because I I will give my parents this. They did try very hard to kind of shield us from some of the darker things that were going on with other family members. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you have, at the time when we were younger, our family was pretty close-knit. So when you have a close-knit family like that, like, it's kind of hard not to know each other's business. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I was saying earlier, you know, kids are smarter than we give them credit for. So there were a lot of things that, like, even if it wasn't explicitly, like, told to me, like, to my face, I wasn't stupid. Like, I knew what was happening. Yeah. You know? So I decided very early on that that was something I would not want to expose my kids to. And I don't want to say my parents went about it wrong because I know that they did did the best they could. And while I do think it is important to have relationships with your family, I also think that when you have family that is problematic – you have to limit those interactions. Mm. And that can be hard because sometimes, you know, especially when it's family. You need to protect yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And not, and it's, it's more than just me now. It's my kids too. Absolutely. So, like, I'm not going to tell my kids what's, you know, going on. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to put that on display for them because I want them to have a relationship and I do want them to, you know, love their extended family and, you know, all of that. I don't want to taint my kids' perception of their family because right now they're still young and all they know is that, oh, I, you know, that's my family and I love them, especially my oldest. He is very, very family centric. Yeah. So, like, if it were up to him, he would not be able to draw that boundary. He he wants to, and I love this about him, he wants to spend as much time as possible with all of them. Like, if we could have a communal, like, living family compound, he would be all for it. <laughs> like, he, he wants everybody together all the time. But it is my job as his parent to decide – when and where is appropriate to have interactions with certain family members. So there are some that, you know, we don't, there are some we don't see a lot just because of distance and, you know, it's just hard planning things. And then there are some that we don't see a lot on purpose. And that is, it sounds so mean to say, but like when it comes down to it, it is my job to keep them Save. Yeah. And it all goes back to, to what we were saying in last week's episode, you know, about setting boundaries, like the two topics, boundaries and communication, they go hand in hand. Like you really can't have healthy boundaries without also having healthy,
1: healthy communication. Com- yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Because what defines healthy communication like we've said, it's not just hearing what people are saying. It is then taking what they're saying and putting it into action. And if you can't do that, then the boundary becomes you're no longer in my life, or at least not as much as you used to be. Yeah.
1: And feelings, listen, feelings are going to get hurt. Absolutely. You can't, you're not going to avoid that. You can't. But you have to be okay with the, someone's feelings getting hurt because you need to protect yourself. You need to look out for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, that does not make you selfish. That does not make you doesn't make you inconsiderate. It doesn't make you rude. You're not mean. You're not, You're not rude. rude. You're not like.
0: You're not a bad family member. That's, that's one that I fall victim to all the time. Is right. like,
1: You're not a bad daughter. Know. You're not a bad son. You're not a bad brother. You're not a, you're not a bad sister. You're not a bad mm-hmm. parent, niece, or, nephew, whatever, whatever. For friend. putting yourself first, you were not mm-hmm. a bad person. Right. But when someone says to you like, Oh, like if someone's laughing out to you and saying, Oh, you're setting this boundary, so I'm going to respond in a negative way and say, "Oh, you're such a horrible person for doing this." Blah blah blah, this and that, bro. Reevaluate
0: how you think of that person because that's not okay. Is that
1: really the type of person you want in your life? Absolutely. I don't. I don't care who they are. Mm-hmm. I don't care who they are to you. Mm-hmm. If they are treating you like this, that's not something you want in your life.
0: Mm -hmm. And that's something we're going to dive more into next week.
1: Yeah. Because that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening and be sure to tune in next week when we put two and two together in Access Denied.
0: Yes. Next week we will be combining our communication skills with our boundary setting skills to validate your right to decide who has access to your life. You're not going to want to miss it. Bye, besties.
1: Bye, besties. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Sweet and Sarcastic. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and follow us on Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcast.
0: To get even more of your new online besties, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sweet and Sarcastic Podcast. In the meantime, we can't wait to meet you right back here next Monday at midnight.